the new season of our ATS podcast on cultivating student engagement in higher ed. I'm your host, Lauren Kelly, an instructional designer in academic technology services or ATS. This podcast provides teaching perspectives related to instructors and students with a shift toward how technology and innovation add value to teaching and learning. This podcast focuses on innovative strategies and support services available to you regardless of your course modality. Today's episode will focus on a licensed tool supported by academic technology services called Poll Everywhere. The University of Delaware acquired a license for this tool as a result of the pandemic, and since then, its usage university-wide has increased exponentially. If you happen not to be familiar with this tool, Poll Everywhere is an audience response system that allows instructors to gather real-time feedback and responses from students during their classes. It works through smart devices with an internet connection. It is designed to engage large audiences with the ability to gather responses from hundreds or thousands of students simultaneously. It also provides opportunities for anonymous participation to encourage more open feedback, and the system aggregates real-time responses, allowing instructors to analyze feedback and discuss results with their students. This tool provides the ability to create inclusive learning experiences with the use of word clouds, clickable image polls, Q&A sessions, and poll competitions that can display results in charts, graphs, and other forms of visualized data for students. I'm really excited because we're bringing back our conversation about teaching large lecture sections, but this time we'll focus on faculty stories from professors teaching large lecture classes that have incorporated Poll Everywhere in place of, say, those traditional iClicker systems. In this episode, we will learn from their experiences with their tools pitfalls, their own innovative strategies around the tool, and any workarounds that they've happened to stumble upon in the midst of their own challenges managing such large numbers of students. So I'd like like an opportunity to introduce my guests. I'm going to have them go ahead and introduce themselves and tell us just a little bit about what they're teaching. So let's go ahead and get started. Hi, everyone. My name is Agnes Lee. I am an associate professor of psychological and brain sciences. I'm also the director of undergraduate advising for psychology and neuroscience majors um, in our department at the University of Delaware. And I am one of the few teachers who teaches the large enrollment introductory course, Psych 100. And that's taken by both majors and non-majors with public probably the large majority being non-major students. Hi, everyone. I am Harita Maladi. I am an assistant professor in civil and environmental engineering, and I'm also the director of first year engineering. I teach a large enrollment class called in Introduction to Engineering. It's the required first year seminar course taken by all the undergraduate students in the College of Engineering, and it runs every fall semester. So it is happening right now as we speak um, in the fall of 2023. Um, I also teach a much smaller class in the spring, and that is a senior level technical elective in sustainability. And I also have used Poll Everywhere in the smaller environment as well. So I have experience using Poll Everywhere in both my introductory engineering class and also in a smaller tech elective um, environment. Hi, everyone. I'm Stephanie DeVito. I'm an assistant professor in biological sciences. I teach our introductory biology one and two integrated with chemistry, which are both large enrollment classes in the fall and then the spring, mostly taken by biological science and health 
pre-health majors, and most of them are first-year students. I also teach upper-level physiology, as well as a how-to-teach seminar for our undergraduate peer mentors. Well, welcome everybody to this podcast. I'm so glad that you all are here. It might be helpful to start this conversation learning a little bit about how you got started with Poll Everywhere. Tell us a little bit about when you started to implement Poll Everywhere in your large lecture sections. I started using Poll Everywhere last year for the first time in fall 2022 in the large enrollment environment. So uh, I, I've i been, this is actually my fourth time teaching Introduction to Engineering. In fall 2020, it was completely online. So when I had to do any live sessions and do interactions uh, with the large class um, over Zoom, I just used Zoom polls. In fall 2021, um, it was more hybrid. I had asynchronous online lectures and the students met in small groups. And so there was really um, no opportunity to use Poll Everywhere in that modality. Fall 2022 was the first time that I actually had a large lecture, um, seeing all those sea of faces in one room. And Poll Everywhere was really the best way to get engagement from that crowd. I've been using Poll Everywhere since fall of 2022 as well. And I've, but I've been using um, interactive polling systems since I started teaching large classes back in 2016. Um, so it's been, I've been through a number of different modalities <laughs> at this point, uh, just kind of adapting to whatever is best available to my students at the time. Like everyone else, um, when I started using Poll Everywhere here um, with my Psych 100 large lecture class, it was in fall 2022 when I returned from asynchronous teaching back to live in-person teaching. I actually used Poll Everywhere where I was before University of Delaware, which is University of California, Irvine. So I used that. That was in like the early 2000s um, is when I first used Poll Everywhere when it was a newer software. When I came here at um, University of Delaware in 2012, I actually had to switch over the iClicker system. And then in fall 2022, I switched back to Poll Everywhere. No one is like a stranger to some type of polling software for engagement when it comes to large lecture sections. So you all gave like a little bit of an overview based on the classes that you teach. But as always, I want to talk about the sheer numbers because that is the thing that is so interesting is when you say, oh, I have 600 students this semester. So if each of you could just throw out some numbers based on the numbers of students that you are supporting with this tool right now. So in my introductory engineering course, there are around 650 students in total. And I have two large lecture sections, so around 325 students each, and they meet weekly once um, as a large lecture. And I do use Poll Everywhere in that environment. Last year was my largest cohort. Um, last fall, I had three sections of intro bio that were between 120 and 144 students each. So each class was about 120 to 144, and then altogether it was over 350, I think, total that were using Poll Everywhere for me. So I have similar numbers. Um, I teach two sections of Intro to Psych, and they're roughly around 300 students each for a total of 600 students each semester. Still a lot of students. Still, every time my heart drops, my stomach drops, I could not imagine walking into a classroom with that many students. All right. So that leads me to ask the questions about what those first experiences were like. Now, a couple of you mentioned that previous institutions you used um, Poll Everywhere or some type of polling software you've used through Zoom, you've used polling as well. If you could maybe reflect on some of those kind of first experiences with large numbers of students and what that 
might have been like? Our listeners would be intrigued to know a little bit more about that. I can start. Um, in fall 22, uh, when it was my first time using it in the 300 person Psych 100 classes, it was unique because the Wi-Fi in the room actually couldn't support all 300 students using the internet at once. It was like a unique room that used to be like the outside wall of a building. So because of that, the internet doesn't work well. But besides that tiny little infrastructure issue of Wi-Fi, um, you know, the tool was really easy for the people who could get online. It was easy to use. There were a lot of different options for different types of questions. So not just multiple choice questions only, but like hotspot ones, which are the clickable images. For someone, when I'm teaching the brain, for example, it's really lovely to put up a picture of the brain and allow students to be like, where does... Where, which area of the brain do we think supports this function? And you can see them click on literally everywhere in the brain and we can go back and we can say, okay, let's focus on this. Um, it's, it's participation for activities to demonstrate their knowledge, for me to check where they're at, for them to check where they're at. Um, so, so it's re a really great way to do that. So outside of the infrastructure issue in the first semester, um, it was enjoyable for the students who could participate. Um, now that I'm in a different space, uh, you know, it works a lot better to get all of that feedback. I agree with what Agnes said. The tool is quite easy to use. And I really love that it embeds easily into any slides that you're using, PowerPoint or Google Slides. Definitely, you do need working internet for Poll Everywhere to work. Um, so that is one of those things you have to keep in mind uh, when you are using Poll Everywhere. It was helpful that I used Poll Everywhere in a smaller environment before I tried it in the large enrollment space. So I think that would be something to keep in mind as well. Um, I I mentioned that I teach a smaller class in the spring. So that was when I first dipped my toe into using Poll Everywhere. And like I've mentioned before, I haven't really used um, iClickers. I actually don't have any experience with that or that sort of a polling system. The closest I've come to that is actually using Zoom polls because I've not actually taught um, as large enrollment classes uh, before I came to the University of Delaware. I mainly use Poll Everywhere as a formative assessment and to create an opportunity for active learning in the large uh, lecture space. Like Lauren sort of mentioned earlier, how you know, stomach drops when you hear the numbers of the large enrollment space. I think this is definitely true from the student side too. So it's important to have some way for them to feel like they're contributing to something global, right, across the entire classroom. So I start out with uh, icebreakers, and I thought that was, you know, fun word clouds to start the classroom. And I have not really tried to use Poll Everywhere, where it actually grades for correctness in a multiple choice question. I use it more as a participation thing. Even when I do use multiple choice questions that have a specific correct answer, I just uh, grade it for participation. Students get credit for Poll Everywhere, about 5% of the total grade. I do drop a couple of the lowest, lowest scores. The big thing for me was to figure out the workflow for um, syncing the Poll Everywhere responses and the grades with Canvas, uh, particularly because I have a large instructional team. I have two lead TAs who help me with that. So I had to figure out the whole 
setting up Canvas uh, with myself and my two lead TAs as a team, and then getting them onboarded into syncing the roster and syncing the grades with the Canvas Gradebook. I like also that Polivore integrates with both Google Slides or PowerPoint. That makes it really handy. I also do participation only um, just because I want to give students the space to struggle with stuff um, in a productive way in class where they're not going to be penalized for being wrong. And I love the word cloud function. I use that a lot for brainstorming at the beginning of class um, just to get students engaged. I also really like that in such big lecture halls, uh, students have a hard time seeing the images. And most of my Poll Everywhere questions have images um, since it's biology. And so I like that the students can see the images on their devices. For example, we were looking at protein structure and they had to like analyze Bit different parts of the image and from the back of the lecture hall it was hard to see. And especially when I was in a really big one, um, I think Agnes, it's the same one you had Wi-Fi issues in last year. No one, you could not see the pictures from the back of the room on the slide very well. And so this way the students can see the images up close. And I've also, it's been really helpful last year. I had a couple of visually impaired students and being able to like see the image on their device and make it the appropriate size allowed them to, it just was more accessible to them that I didn't have to go out of my way to provide them with any special accommodations. Um, although I also provide them with all that stuff separately, but it was just there and they could see it. And so everybody has an easier time in that big lecture hall, like analyzing and seeing the picture. Probably one of the, the another benefit to, to doing that. And everyone's not like squinting at the slide while they're trying to see what you put up there. Well, since you happen to mention accessibility, sometimes when we're talking about these technology tools, we don't always think about alternatives when things don't work. And we have sets of students that are not comfortable with things or when there's a time element to things, they need accommodations for more time, or maybe there just needs to be an alternative assessment altogether. Could you maybe talk a little bit more about ways in which you are able to work with students that come in with specific accommodations where Poll Everywhere may not work for them? Yeah, this has come up a couple of times in the last two years. Um, like I mentioned, I had a couple of visually impaired students last year. Um, they could see, but they needed to be able to enlarge things. Um, and so I provide all of my students with an in-class guide. It's a Word document that has everything on my slides in it, all of the Poll Everywhere problems, the learning objectives, the figures. And if it's a straight information slide, it's like fill in the blank so they don't have to try to write everything down. And so that is good for those students because they get everything separately. I don't have to like give them the slides. They get it in a Word doc format that they can put into whatever software they need. I also, that's been helpful this semester because I have a student who needs additional response time for questions. And so that student gets the, basically everybody can get the questions ahead of time, right? They're on this in-class guide. So it's not like a surprise pull everywhere question. <laughs> um, they're all there already. Um, I'm not trying to be stealthy or, or or sneaky about anything. Um, and then I did have an issue this semester with a student who wasn't getting full credit through Poll Everywhere because they needed that additional response time. And so our solution was just email me your answers by five o'clock and I'll, you know, adjust your participation score accordingly. The way that it does it, Poll Everywhere exports everything for that day out of a hundred to Canvas when you're doing um, participation. And so whether you ask students three questions or 15, they're getting a score out of 100. And so just to kind of adjust for students um, missing a question, maybe they like went to the restroom or like just were trying to catch up on something else. I always manually go into Canvas and make it out of 100 so that they can actually 
actually get 100 out of 80 if they really answer everything. Because usually there's a day or two where they miss a few questions. And then also just to be flexible with attendance, because this is attendance based, right? You kind of have to be there. That I drop the lowest five scores. So because another thing with big lectures is like, I don't want to keep track of who has an excused absence for not being there because I cannot do that for 400 people. So this way I'm like five, five scores drop, no questions asked. You don't have to tell me you're not here. It doesn't have to be for any particular reason. And then if you're missing more than five lectures, you should come see me because at that point it's like three weeks of material. That way it's like just trying to build in some flexibility with the attendance and considering that like, I don't want you to come to class if you have some kind of illness um, or if you're having a bad day. So, and I, I just, then I don't have to deal with all the excusals. So yeah, just thinking about flexibility and something like reducing the amount of points it's out of just to, a lot of times it's like technical errors, like on my Wi-Fi dropped and I missed that question. You got an 80 out of 80 that day. So you're fine. So that's kind of ways I've tried to be more flexible and accommodating for students with a variety of different issues. Just to add on to what Stephanie is providing here. Um, I think one of the big things to emphasize is when you do teach, you know, upwards of like 600 or plus students, you're going to get like the biggest diversity ever, right? In terms of any characteristic of any students, like life experiences, um, like visual impairments, hearing impairments, all of those kinds of things. So I think one of the things that is important to highlight from what Stephanie said and what I like to highlight from what I do is is really think about that flexibility um, component of it because it's good for them and it's good for us right because as as Stephanie mentioned you know we'll get like a million emails oh I don't want to vet the like appropriateness of your excusal or anything like that for me I do five percent is participation credit Um, I do weekly scores and so instead of like daily scores or anything like that do weekly scores I drop the lowest four weekly scores which is in essence a whole month of class, really. Um, I mean, if you're missing a whole month of class, there's there's something else to be, there's something else to discuss there too. And I do have like, what I did have to implement this semester was in the beginning of this particular semester, it was like COVID season. And basically I had a hundred emails from students saying they all had to be out for COVID. They all had to be in quarantine for like a whole week. So I did um, use a Google form system where, you know, anyone who like had those issues of needing to be out. Here's a Google form link. It was like on them. I said, please watch the UD capture recordings of the class. Um, as you watch it, you can do the poll everywhere activities and then put those responses in the form, pretending like you were in class, you know, for the practice. Um, and then I'll just adjust your participation accordingly. Um, and having it go through the Google form, at least it organized it into like a spreadsheet so that when I set my time to do that, I could just very easily like see who was putting in the responses. Of course, it's still manual. It was the best I could come up with like at the beginning of the semester, but at least it was an organized manual. And I told told everyone like you would just need to be patient with me to update your scores and so far everyone's been okay with it like they haven't been like oh my goodness or and and that plus the drop scores I think helped resolve some of that I also would like to touch on we've talked about poll everywhere a bit you've talked about the ways in which you're using poll everywhere the, the sheer number of students let's talk about other tools that you might use um before you got into Poll Everywhere, let's talk a little bit more about if you use Zoom polling and things like that. And then if there are other tools that you use that complement Poll Everywhere in any way, if you could shed light on some of those things that you do for engagement or participation in classes. I might jump in first because it sounds like I've been doing this the longest maybe in terms of Poll Everywhere stuff, but I've been using interactive systems since 2016. Uh, and that was, I used iClicker and I was in a class of 650. And then I was also assisting another professor with a class of a thousand, all in one room. 
So talk about your Wi-Fi needs. <laughs> it was like, um, I guess you don't need Wi-Fi for iClicker, but it was, um, I don't miss the sound of in a thousand person lecture hall, you drop that clicker and the batteries come out and they roll down all the flights of stairs. <laughs> Every class within the first five minutes, someone dropped the remote and the batteries came out and flew down the stairs every time. So I did start by using iClicker. It worked well because there was so many people and the Wi-Fi was not as good back then. And then I moved to Top Hat, which was a different experience. You had to kind of build your slides within their um, platform, which was a little trickier. Um, but it enabled you to do more things like have quizzes and stuff. And then, then I moved to poll everywhere when UD, um, got the license. And so that was probably, um, this is the most seamless transition because you didn't have to have them buy a remote and it wasn't a separate software, which was nice. And then currently along with Whole Everywhere, I also still use those in-class guides I mentioned, which are just Word documents of what we're doing that day. Um, and biology is a lot of drawing in it, believe it or not. And so um, sometimes instead of Poll Everywhere, I have students draw something like DNA structure or like a phylogenetics tree or something. And they have to submit a photo of that to Canvas to show me they did the work. And that's almost entirely done in class. And so I do kind of match up the poll everywhere with like, I'm asking you to draw this and I want to make sure you do it. Um, And so it's just kind of an old school way of being like, look at this thing you drew. It's awesome. This can go on your note sheet for the exam. Now you can get credit for it. And so I find that to be kind of a nice way to change things up once in a while. Um, Like I mentioned before, I wasn't teaching this course before fall 2020. And I do know that you know, the the course existed before I came to University of Delaware and they used, the previous instructors used iClickers um, for soliciting responses in the large class environment. I did briefly mention before that I used Zoom polls. When I did use the Zoom polls, it wasn't really for credit in any manner. It was purely just engagement in the Zoom environment. So that wasn't graded in in, in any manner. In terms of other engagement tools that I use in the large level, to space. If I have to do quizzes that require actual correct answers, I tend to not use poll everywhere for that. Instead, it's probably going to be a video lecture with embedded quizzes on Canvas. And that has worked really well for me um, because the embedded quizzes integrate so seamlessly with, uh, with Canvas. The students, uh, I generally give them multiple attempts to finish the quiz um, in a video lecture. And again, you know, so it shouldn't be very difficult for them to get the answers right, but they do have to still watch the video lecture to get all those questions right. So I use the embedded quizzes quite a lot. In a smaller class environment, um, like Stephanie mentioned, you know, some sort of note sheet for them to, uh, of some manner where they can take notes in. I've used that a lot. In the large class environment, I love the use of Google Docs. And this includes, you know, the Google Docs itself, the slides or sheets. And I usually provide students with a link where they can directly click the link to make a copy. So they can just, uh, instead of, you know, there's just no feasible way for me to print out the worksheets for such a large class. You know, they just click to copy. And the nice thing about using um, the Google suite of products is if, if say, they have to have a document where I need two or three people to work together on it, or if there is a team, if it's a team submission, they can easily click to copy and one of them can share that document with a couple of other people. And then, you know, they can then submit that if that is required as a part of the assignment. So I rely very heavily on Google Docs for engagement in addition to Poll Everywhere. 
Um, so like Stephanie mentioned before, Poll Everywhere, I also used iClicker um, for quite some time. And so I'm very familiar with the clatter sound of dropped remotes and batteries rolling down um, carpeted stairs and ramps. Um, and so, uh, yeah, the one good thing about it was that I didn't rely on the internet. Um, and then um, with Poll Everywhere, how I use it now is um, I, I do use it like in combination with other things, like Stephanie mentioned, like doing other activities. I don't quite do diagrams and flowcharts. But one thing that I do is I switch up the activity. So sometimes it's a poll everywhere that might be like the initiator of a discussion. It might be an activity that illustrates like a key idea. And then we'll do like other activities that follow up on that idea. Just so that they're doing different things. They're not always on their device. Sometimes it is on their device. Sometimes I I don't need to know what everyone says. But other times I do want to see what percentage of the class thinks this or thinks this other way, right? One thing that I really like doing with my poll everywhere is always making sure that however we go through our answers, especially for multiple choice is always implementing like my, like, why is, why is the correct answer correct? And why are the other answers incorrect? So we always do an activity with every multiple choice question that focuses in on the reasoning of like how you're answering a question. So like, why did you eliminate A? Why did you eliminate B? Why did you set C instead of D if the class was 50-50 split? So that's not a, that's not a technology tool per se the poll everywhere allows me to see that the class is 50-50 on answer choices C and D. And I can come back to the class and say, okay, focus on the reasoning, talk to each other. Do you want to change your answer? Poll everywhere allows me to see that and dynamically react to um, what the students need. And part of dynamically reacting could be implementing other activities as well. Absolutely. There is a segmentation portion of poll everywhere. So I don't know if you're using that specifically, Agnes, or if you're just going based on just the raw data based on responses. But that is a very good way to use Poll Everywhere. Not everybody necessarily uses that. At least that comes to the virtual welcome bar or comes into Pearson 116. But it is also kind of an amenity that Poll Everywhere has available. I want to have us dive into a little bit, speaking of you teaching large lecture sections that you have a team of TAs. Stephanie, now I don't know as much about logistics when it comes to your TAs, but you've mentioned a lot of innovative things that you're doing, like flowcharts and note-taking and things like that. So are those processes that you have in place where you rope your TAs into those processes and they're all kind of like singing from the same hymn book and everybody knows what they need to do? Can you can you maybe share a little bit more about that? Yeah, so this might be worth... I differ a bit from definitely Haritha's class, but my TAs are in class with me. So they're not running breakout like discussion sections or anything. There's usually five to six of them in class with me. And so the ratio we're usually going for is 24 students to one undergraduate TA plus me running around while they're doing all these activities and checking in on students. Um, So they're undergraduates. They've taken the course with me before. They meet with me on Mondays to go over all the material and make sure they know what they're doing. They, we all have, they have their completed in-class guides that they bring on Monday and we go over things and talk about where students are going to struggle and how to help them. And then when we do poll everywhere, when we do drawing, when we do think pair share, when we analyze data in class, there's more than just me running around, which is very helpful, especially when it was like 150 last year. Even I did this in the 650 class I had at my previous institution. That was a lot of TAs. But, <laughs> but either way, like there's a TA nearby at all 
all times or me and someone can answer the questions that the students have or keep them on task or you can see if they're stuck or you know like how's it going what you got for this answer what do you think and how are you going to approach this or the types of things that they often ask and so that helps to keep everybody engaged especially during the more complex questions that are more applied. Those take a little bit more time for students to answer. I usually encourage them to talk to their peers about it. And so I might have that poll open for five, 10 minutes while they're working through like a graph or something. And we're going around and making sure everybody's working their way through it and on task and not struggling. So that's that's where things are a little different is they are all in class with me. Um, they're not running their own their own show. So it's just kind of trying to keep that like instruct, quote unquote instructor. They're not really instructors, but like help to student ratio lower, <laughs> even in a large class. You've been listening to part one of this two-part series, where my guests shared their perspectives related to their use of Poll Everywhere for teaching their large lecture classes. I hope that you were able to learn from their experiences with this tool's wins and their innovative workarounds that they happened to discover when challenges popped up based on managing such diverse numbers of students. Be sure to listen to part two, where we will continue this conversation. And if you liked what you heard, please remember to subscribe. On is where you can always expect to gain ideas from our brilliant guests who will sprinkle their innovative strategies to help you add a little seasoning to your course design. Thanks again for listening.